Thank you. Y'all are making me cry. It's all right. It's pretty normal crying. Uh, thank you, Gail. That's the... That's, uh... See, Danny cried. I can cry. This is the first time that's ever happened, that someone took a offering for this vision that I have. And I, not everyone knows this, but uh, Danny and I used to work in group homes and foster care for years, five or six years. Danny has a master's in social work. And um, I have lots of brothers, six of them, but several of them have been in and out of prison, in and out of jail. We have drug and alcohol problems in our family, and I absolutely love an overcomer story. And I love the idea of, I once was, but now I am. I once was darkness, and now I am light. And a lot of the organizations that work with people that are really busted up are orphaned organizations. They're really hard on churches because they have a lot of needs and a lot of times the people that are helping and ministering to those that are broken are often just out of brokenness or still in brokenness themselves. So I want to strengthen the people that are helping the people. That's my vision. So I have friends that have rehabs and they have, we have given uh, loving on purpose materials to them for years. We have orphanages in Romania and Mexico that we've, we send Brittany down there to teach parenting and all of that. And then I have a friend actually who, um, I don't know how many felonies, 47 felonies. And she got out of prison and she is a force to be reckoned with. And she gathers, there's, I think there's something like 13,000 women in prison in Texas uh, alone. And that's not even, that's small compared to the men's prisons. But she takes all the Loving on Purpose material. She meets with the, the chaplains and the wardens because that's what you have to do. You have to find someone that's already in there ministering. And so she'll re- meet with 26 uh, chaplains all at once and tell her testimony and then she has this um, this way in so I'm going to partner with all those people so thank you again and um, I appreciate it and Danny and I love this house we feel like family here uh, we, we travel all over the place and we rarely stay in the house with anybody because you just don't get a break sometimes so um, I think I could, we could count on one hand how many places we actually stay with people, and we always stay with Gail and, and Alan, so we love them. We love you, Emily and Sagey and Anthony and all those peeps. So why is this on here? Oh, I can play a video? I already took it off. It's all right. Us girls, we like accessories. Uh, I thought you might want to see the Silk family because we talk about them so much. That's, this is our clan, and uh, if you boiled my life down to one little puddle and of what I might care about, this is it right here. And if you're not loving at home, if you're not giving your best at the place with the people that know you best, then you probably should just sit down and be quiet and keep, keep working on home because this is what really matters. Uh, Jesus loved, God gave his life, and he loves family. And family in church and family at home, that was his creation. And so this is our family unit. So Brittany and Ben are on the side there with her, their three kids. We have a 14-year-old granddaughter, which I don't know. I, I don't like that. That means something about me. Uh, we became grandparents at 43 years old. So Delaney's 14, and Addie's 10, and Lincoln is 7. And then Taylor is next to Danny. If you looked up the word millennial in the dictionary, Taylor's picture would be right, right there. He is our rolling stone. And then Levi is on the end with his wife. They've been married a year and a half. That's Karen. That's it. I miss them, so I just thought I'd show you a picture so I could see 
Yeah. What, what's up there really is um, the redeeming power of God. Because if you don't know already, Danny and I, our story is that we got, we got married, we got saved and, and got married, but between his mom and dad and my mom and dad and stepdad who raised me, there's 15 marriages. They've all been married three times. And so we got saved and, you know, we didn't have that Shaba moment. Like, oh, you got saved and then somebody just Heidi Baker, you like Shaba. <laughs> and all, all of a sudden you're, you're all better. You got all the skills you need, just Shaba. Don't you wish it would happen like that? That's not what happened. So Danny and I had 10 years, I say 10, he says 12, really hard years. I thought we got started getting better about 10 years in, but he says 12. Uh, so what's rolling into our lives was chaos and, and destruction and the redeeming power of Jesus. I told you this morning, you know, you have a, a, an event in your life and you have an experience and then you, you tell your story. And this is our legacy, that we all love each other, that we all care about each other, that we're, we're bringing the kingdom and we're taking what we, what we took, what God gave us and we grabbed it as, we took it seriously and we said, our story's gonna be that what was handed to me, I'm not passing on. Someone has to say, enough. Someone has to say, Gail said it this morning, not on my watch, right? And I'm going to stand in the middle, in the gap between what was and what is, and I'm going to bring something else. So I don't know what your story is, but you get to write the end of it. Amen? I'm going to talk to you about a really uh, common scripture and... and and you're gonna, it's going to feel very familiar to you. To you, but how, Do you have Ikea here? You don't have Ikea? Oh, this is sad, because everyone should have Ikea. You can order it. All the guys are glad there's no Ikea. So what you do is you go to Ikea, and you've probably seen it, but you, they, you walk through and there's all these rooms, right? And they give you a piece of paper and a pencil with no eraser on it, which should be a sign. Should be a sign to you right there that there's no eraser. So you get this paper and you walk through and you see all these put together rooms. Oh, this living room. I love that. Oh, here's a kitchen I'll put together. Oh, I love how they put this bunk beds in this room and all this. And you're writing down on this little piece of paper, you're writing down, you know, this is, this is the bin it's in. This is the aisle it's in. And you don't even really know what you're writing down. You're just writing down these random numbers. Then you get down to the warehouse and there's all these boxes. You pile these boxes on your cart you pay for them and you go home and you have purchased the biggest chore of your life, right? Because all they give you is an Allen wrench. So at the end of putting together this dresser, your, your thumb is bleeding. And all they give you is this piece of paper with pictures on it because it's all Scandinavian and you can't read it. So there's a picture and it says you take this part and you insert it here. And that's what I'm going to talk to you tonight. I'm, I'm going to talk to you about situations where you get to insert love into somebody else's life and you actually change their life forever. It's not a simple thing, this love. It's powerful. You know, love is what drew Jesus up out of the grave. The love drew him up out of the grave. So... That's the kind of power that you have when you insert that love into somebody else's life. Amen? Now there's a, a video, here's a picture of Kim Singh, and I was gonna show, I was gonna play this song, but you've all heard maybe her sing How He Loves. It was a song written by John Mark McMillan, 
and she sang it at a the very first Jesus Culture con- uh, conference. Somebody pirated it, like you know, videoed it or whatever, and posted it up on on the internet. And they had to ask them to take it down so that Jesus Culture could put it back up there so you could trace it to them. And at this point, I actually checked today, it's been viewed 21 million times. Because there's a certain kind of love that Kim's singing about that just draws you in. When, I remember when I got saved, I was this busted up 21-year-old girl doing drugs. I was promiscuous. I was just out of control in my life. I remember I, I would go to the gym and work out. I remember we had a spa in the gym and I would hold my breath and sink to the bottom and the bubbles would just drown out all my pain. And I would just think, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, I could see my brothers. I could see all the trauma. I could see all the crisis all around me. And I remember going to church. And I went, went in, and Bill Johnson's the pastor. So I'm 21 years old, and Bill and Benny are passing, pastoring a little church in Weaverville. And they started talking about the love of God. And I thought, is it possible? Is this news that you're talking about really true? And I remember sitting with Bill after church and, and I said to him, so God knows all that I've been doing, all the damage that I've been doing to my life up to this point. He knows all that and he still wants me to come in. And he said, absolutely. And I thought, could this really be true? Because when you hear about the love of God, it changes your life, right? Amen? This is a very familiar scripture. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I, I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It isn't me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. I need to read that one a few times. It doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incomplete is canceled. Love never fails. It really is God's great exchange rate. You know, Danny and I travel the last two years over 200 days a year, gone. Gone from my house, my kids, my grandkids, my bed. <laughs> People say, you travel all over, what's your favorite place? Home. Home is my favorite place. And we take our money, our U.S. dollar, and we go to these little booths when we get to another country, and we, we, we exchange our American dollar for whatever currency that we are there for. And sometimes it's good because the U.S. dollar is strong, and sometimes it's not so good. It just, just, just depends on the time that we're in. But God's exchange rate is beauty for ashes. He takes what was bad, what was messed up, what was hard, and he exchanges it into something beautiful. That is absolutely how he does it. I, I was on my way here, and I was standing in the Sacramento airport, and I was wearing this pendant, 
And this lady I've never met standing next to me in line, she said, oh, can I look at your pendant? Which is rare for someone to, in, nowadays you're going to reach across and touch something that's attached to my body, you know. She was harmless, so I was, I, I was, I was safe. And she picked up my pendant and she said, oh, it's kind of like a rose with a diamond in it. I said, that's right. And I said, when I was one year, one years old, my parents uh, divorced and I was separated from my dad from that point on in my life. And uh, I used to go into my mom's room and I would get in her jewelry box and I would get her wedding ring out for, to my dad and I would put it on all the time. I'm the only girl... So I kept, I just knew this ring was going to be mine. I'm the only girl. I deserve it. And uh, plus I'm the baby of the family, so all things should come to me. Um, so I would try this ring on, and I would say, can I have this ring? Can I have this ring? And she, of course, did not want me to have it. It was a painful thing for her, a memory that she did not want me to be carrying around. But when I turned 18 years old, my mom took that ring down to the jeweler, melted it, put it in a new form. And gave it to me for my 18th birthday. This is what God does. He takes something that was in the wrong form and he melts it down and he gives it back so beautifully. So I know that I'm sitting in this room full of Christians. Maybe you're kind of, you're the group that doesn't have any problems. But there's every kind of problem in here is the truth. There's every kind of problem possible in this room. But God's exchange rate, beauty for ashes, is what makes that problem not so scary anymore. Because no matter the timing on it, he's going to turn it into something good. Because that's what he does over and over and over. Once you look at your neighbor and say, my life is a really great story. Your life is a really great story. It's his story. His redeeming power. And, and you shouldn't ever be ashamed of what your story is. Maybe your story is, I got saved when I was three, baptized when I was four, and I've served the Lord my whole entire life. That's what I want my kids to say. I want my kids to have that testimony. And, and that's a wonderful testimony. But no matter what your testimony is, it's his story, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. You're, you know, the problems that you have in your life and the things that you overcame, those, that's the pile that you build in your life. You just keep piling up the things that he has conquered, and then you crawl on top of this pile, and you look at your future from the top of the testimony of the Lord. These are the things you stand on to make your life better, to make your kid's life better. Your testimony, it's his testimony. Always thank the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God's holy people who live in the light. For he has rescued us, say that, he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. He has rescued us. We're rescued. Amen? Amen. I love the story of Rahab, partly because I have questions for God. I have questions about why there's rattlesnakes, (laughs) spiders. I think the best snake is a dead snake. Sorry if you're an animal lover and you love snakes and reptiles. At our house, we have chickens, so if the chickens find a snake, it's over for that snake. Sorry, I should go into... No animals were hurt while I was preaching about, about snakes. So Rahab's story really is... We read about her in Joshua, and they, you know, they say, hey, go, uh, Joshua, 
sends two spies in. They go and they view the land. So they're, they're, they're trying to find out what's going on. The first place they go is Rahab's house. Now, Rahab is a prostitute. So I'm not sure why that was their first stop. Maybe they had, she had the best lemon meringue pie in the town. So they went to Rahab's house. And then they lie. The king goes to her. and The king says, hey, have you seen these spies? And he went to her first. So you're like, why does the king go to Rahab's house? I have questions for God when I get there. I, I have questions. So the king goes and says, hey, Rahab, have you seen these guys? She lies to him. She hides the spies, right? She's like, let's make a deal. Let's, I'll hide you, and then you save my family. So she is a lying prostitute. This is her story. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. You can read it. She's a lying prostitute. And the next time you read about her, she's in the lineage of Christ in, in Matthew. I have questions. So if you think you got a tough life, you're probably not a lying prostitute. Don't, don't raise your hand if you are. I don't, you could tell me later. You could tell me later if that's your testimony, but God is good. It doesn't matter is my point, right? I'm going to tell you a story. Danny always tells stories and, and has these little voices, and he, he talks about things that I say, and he has these funny little voices, and I think, I don't sound like that. My face doesn't look like that, right? It's just being married to a preacher. You just got to put up with it. But I have the microphone tonight, is what I was thinking. <laughs> this is actually a really great story. Uh, one day, Danny was in the kitchen making a sandwich, and Brittany came home from youth group, and she kind of bounced past Danny in the kitchen, and she said, you know what, Daddy, you're the first man I ever fell in love with. He, she kept going, and Danny's choking on his sandwich, you know. <laughs> It's a big job, you dads, what you have to do, but um, you're the ones to do it. And no one's going to love your daughter like you. And so Danny was just like, oh my goodness. And the reason why this was such an amazing story, really, is because just a short time before this, if you've read Loving Our Kids on Purpose, you've, you've heard this story, but one day, I don't know what happened, um, Brittany seemed like a normal teenager. She's, she was cruising along. She's 16 years old. She's, she's a good girl. She's, she's feisty. I don't know where she gets that, probably from Danny. But she came out kind of telling me what's up. There's four years between her and her brother because I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can do this. You know, parenting's tough. And, and she was always kind of feisty. And... One day, I don't know what happened. She might have tipped over too far or something, but her brains fell out. <laughs> They're just, they were gone. And uh, so she says, I'm going to go meet a friend. And she, she took off with her car, and Danny had to go to work up in Weaverville, which was about an hour away. And he was in um, no cell phone land, right? So I can't reach him on the cell phone. And so a couple hours go by, and I don't even think anything of it. I don't have a car because Danny has one. She has the other car. And then a few more hours go by, and I think, well, I haven't heard from her in a long time, which is, which is odd for a girl that has a, a cell phone to not call me. So I call her a bunch of times. She's not answering. I call the, the friend's house that she's going to. And they answer, and I say, hey, is Brittany there? They said, you know, for some reason, uh, she never showed up. So as a mom, you have that sick feeling, moms and dads, like, oh, that's not the answer I was looking for. So she has been gone now for about five hours, right? 
So I can't find her. I'm calling everyone I know that has a phone. I'm calling every house I know to call. We had just moved to Reading. We were the new family life pastors at Bethel Church. And so I'm calling, can't reach her. So finally, I remember a conversation that she had with her cousin about a week before. So I call her cousin and I very sweetly say, Jake, I can't find Brittany and I know you know where she is. And if you don't tell me, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I love you. I I didn't even throw that in. I'm like, just tell me. Tell me right now. And he blurts out... Brittany met a guy on the internet in a chat room and she went to meet him in a park today. I thought my day was bad already. I was sick. I thought there's a hundred parks in Reading, a city of a hundred thousand people. I don't even know what to do. I can't reach Danny. I'm, I'm crying. I'm praying. The, my boys look at me. They're just, oh my gosh. They're, they sit on the floor Indian style and turn into Lou Engle. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, where's Brittany? Jesus, help mom and dad. I don't even know what's going on. Help. So I don't know what to do, you know, and I call Chris Valentin. He's my first phone call. And I said, Chris, Brittany's been missing for hours. I don't know where she is. I, she met this guy. She's in the park somewhere, blah, 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 blah. He goes, okay, what, what's she driving? What's the license plate number? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It's a white car. That's what I know. It's a white car and she's gone. That's what I know. I can't think straight. So he gets off the phone. He, he looks at Kathy and he says, this is really bad. This is really bad. I'm like, Lord, help me. So uh, he gets in his car with, with Kathy, and they drive around. They leave their house, and they drive right to her. Now, Brittany's been gone for almost eight hours. And she, had, she was in that park and had left and came back. So there's a, this young man she was with, and I, you know, I had so many pictures in my head. You know, when you don't know, you fill in the blank really poorly. I feel I'm filling in the blank really poorly here. And I'm picturing her in the trunk of a car. I'm, I'm just, I'm, there's nobody there to stop me that day. I'm just falling in a black hole. Ah. And Chris goes up and says something to this young man. None of us know what he said. It's kind of like Jesus writing in the sand. <laughs> We'll never know what it was, but we know it was powerful because this young man, you know, turned around, got in his car, and Kathy called me and said, I have Brittany. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, in the meantime, Danny had come home, and he walks into a war zone. I mean, I, the boys are turned into Lou Engle, and I'm, I'm crying and sobbing, and I'm looking, trying to find the, her license plate number in a, a box somewhere. I think we'd been in Reading two weeks. And so Kathy says, I got her. I said, would you drive her home? Because I, I thought she, her brains are not functioning. Don't, let, don't put her in the car and let her drive home herself. I and mean, that's how scared I was. I thought, who is this girl? She's never acted like this. They pull up, Brittany comes in the, in the house, and she's mad at us. I tell you, kids are hard when they're little. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Clean those diapers. Stay up all night. No problem. So she's mad at us. And I had to go out in the garage and get some duct tape for my mouth because I, I had been dripping with adrenaline for hours, right? I am just, I'm going to take her life and put it in this little box and stick it in my back pocket. And I'm not sure if you will ever leave the house until you're 35, you know, I'm having these thoughts. Danny's just kind of like, whoa, what is happening? So... We sit down, and she says, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm a Christian because you're a Christian. All my friends are Christians. I go to Christian school. That book is just a book of stories to me. I, we thought we were having a bad day already. No, that was, we are losing it. And we are the new family, life, pastors. This is perfect. 
It's, it's funny now. It is funny now. <laughs> so, Danny, we listen to her, and she's very upset and carrying on, and I'm trying to just be quiet. And Danny gets up out of his chair, and he literally crawled across the room. He sits at her feet. He puts his hand on her leg, and he says, Honey, it's my job and my honor, really, to get you and your mom and your brothers across the finish line. And if something I'm doing for a living is causing you stress, then I'm done tomorrow. I'll quit my job. I can go to work anywhere. If this, is, if this life we chose is too hard and too much pressure for you, we're done. Of course, she didn't have an answer for that. She just could not believe that that's what he was doing. She was quiet. And so the next day is Sunday. Glory. So we go to church. She, she stayed home, and about halfway through worship, Danny was just crying, and he got in the car and drove home and sat on the couch with her. And it, it took... To fast forward, this picture is her and Ben. It took her three months, really, to turn around. And it was, we called in all the resources we had. You know, it's good for your kids to have other adults in their life. It's good, when Britt and Ben got married, we had all the youth pastors and young adult leaders stand up in the room because we wanted to thank them for the job that they do, taking care of our kids and being there for our kids. And we called in every special forces team we could call in to help her. And she was in worship one day, and there's a love that draws you in, in worship. And she took off out of church and went over to the prayer chapel and had an encounter with heaven, and she came back in. And she said she was sorry, but she repented that day. And, of course, we've never looked back from there. She's, she turned it around. But Danny, when he, when he saw her in stress, he got up crawled across the room, inserted love into her life, and changed her life forever. So we have these moments, we have these choices, and we need to just realize, I need to get a vision for beyond the, the, the point I'm in right now. I need to look past the pain I'm in right now. And I'm choosing what to do with you right now because of the future I, I, I see for you in the future. I see your vision for you in the future. Are you okay with my stories? I took, I have to, I got all my papers all mixed up up here. Hold on a second. All right, I got it. So I'm going to tell you some stories. One of them is about my friend, uh, Heidi Rolls. I don't know if you remember Heidi, but her, she was born on the 4th of July, which was perfect for her. She was a firecracker. So I, were, I was volunteering in the school ministry. We're the family life pastors. Brittany's blown up her life. I go to work on Monday morning in the school ministry. I'm just volunteering. And I tell Heidi and my friend Mark Brooks, who were the supervisors at the time, and I said, this is what happened over the weekend. And I was stressed out. It was really, a, it was hard. It's hard uh, whenever your, your kid is not doing what you want them to do at the moment. You feel like somehow this is traceable to me. Like I, we have, you know, we've, we've jeopardized the mission, you know. We've, we've messed up, and I was feeling that way. And so I tell Heidi this whole story about Brittany how she's gone missing and all these things. And Heidi listens to me and she goes, huh, I was thinking that I need someone to pick my kids up from school and drive them home and get dinner started and get their homework started. And I wonder if Brittany wants a job. I said, did you hear what I just told you about? I'm not even sure Brittany got all her brains back in her head yet. She goes, no, I, I, think, I think that I would love for her to work for me. And so I watched Heidi 
reach across the room and insert love into my life, into Brittany's life. And she was one of the adults that helped turn Brittany around. We have these moments with people. And we have to be aware. We have to be listening to the Spirit. It's not what I expected from her. I expected, I don't know what. I expected to, you know, who knows? You're in a church setting. There's all kinds of weird things that happen in church. Like you, you've disqualified yourself. You should probably not be working in the school of ministry. Sherry, maybe you need to take this season off in your life. That's not what she did. She said, let me help you. Let me help you. you have you guys heard of this guy right here? So when we moved to Reading, uh, Danny had been the pastor in Weaverville, and he hadn't preached at Bethel yet, and Danny likes to preach with movie clips and funny videos, and they're really because they're anesthetic for surgery. He's trying, he's making us laugh because he's performing surgery right there, yeah. So he, you know, he loves to, to use media and all that. So Bill says, hey, Danny, you want to preach on Sunday night? And Danny's like, yeah, that'd be great. So first time up to bat at Bethel Church. First time ever the big leagues, right? And praise Jesus, there was no Bethel TV that day, <laughs> right? And Bill was out of town. Chris was there. And wives, have, has your husbands ever left for work and you, you weren't up yet, and then you see them later in the day, and you see what they're wearing, and you're like, whoa, hey, I don't know. That's not. <laughs> that outfit, I don't know. Like, stripes and plaid, not a good plan. <laughs> it was one of those moments for me. Danny never has to run any of his sermons past me. We would never live like that. But it would have been good if he sh- told me the the movie clips he was going to use because there was only a couple of a cuss words in them. <laughs> Who's got the, the microphone tonight, baby? <laughs> so I'm sitting on the front row and there's no Bethel TV, which is great because I've actually been at Bethel and Danny will be preaching and he'll say something funny or great. You can see Bethel camera go, does Sherry think Danny's funny? (laughs) It's like this big arm that swoops around. I've had people from other countries say to me, text me, I like the shoes you're wearing today. I'm like, okay, that's just a little creepy. Like, stop it. I'm like, kids, get off your phones. Look at dad. Laugh. Laugh at dad's joke. Ah. <laughs> so he's up there, and he's showing these movie clips, and he got this one movie clip, and it had a bad word in it. Most of the words were in the Bible. Just, just the, how they were placed weren't so great um, in the sentence. But So I'm like... Well, I should back up. First he goes, I'm going to show a movie clip. And this lady from the back of the row says, we don't watch movies at our house. And she shoes her children out of the sanctuary. Like, evil, evil. I, so, th- so that was a little shocking. It's probably good she left, actually. <laughs> She leaves, she comes back in, she, Chris is sitting there, Chris is, you know, Chris is on his computer, which I don't even think Chris could type back then, but he's just like looking down at his computer, and she's talking to him, and the first movie plays, and there's a cuss word, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, Brittany's rubbing my back, going, it's okay, mom, it's going to be okay, and I was like, oh my God, I'm sweating, we get past that, then he's, it was a really great message. I don't know what it was about at this point in my life. <laughs> and then another movie clip came, and it had some more customers in it. And some blood and gore or whatever, I don't remember. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, we made it. So we get through. <laughs> and uh, so... It's Monday morning. Everybody's at work at Bethel. And Chris goes, you were the topic of, at the board meeting this week. And Danny's like, I bet I was, you know. 
And then Bill comes in town, and it's staff meeting, so it's probably like Wednesday or Thursday. And Bill says, hey, Danny, do you want to preach on Sunday night? Danny goes, well, did you hear about last Sunday night? (laughs) Bill said, yes, I did. And do you want to preach on Sunday night? Reach across the room, insert love. Danny gets up there. He's, you know, after worship, he's getting ready to preach on Sunday night. And he goes, hey, last Sunday, I showed a couple of movie clips that had a couple of inappropriate things in there. And I'm really sorry about that. Would you forgive me? And this little voice from the back of the room says, we love you, Pastor Danny. Just like that. Just like that. There were some other options that could have happened right there. It could have been, you know what? I gave you an opportunity and you blew it. This happens in church all the time. This happens with people all the time. You need to sit down. Obviously, you need to just get our culture for a while, Danny. You need to just... You know, run your sermons by me. I want you from now on, Danny, I want you to give your sermons to Dan Fairley to look at to see if there's any cuss words in your sermons. I don't know. (laughs) See, we're laughing because it's funny, but the truth is, if someone had said to Danny, here's a little shame. Here's a little problem that you created that's, that's affected the rest of us, and I just want you to take a seat. Where would the Danny Silk be today? If the first time he's up to bat and he makes a mistake and doesn't get to clean up his mess, he has to sit down for a while. He has to, he has to ride this out. Where the Danny Silk we love, the, my, favorite, my favorite preacher on the planet, where would he be if Bill hadn't had that approach with him? You see how powerful love is? If actually, it's like this weapon of the kingdom. It's powerful. It changes lives. And we just carry it around. The last story I'm going to tell is about my son, Taylor. Um, he is a very funny boy. So he was in junior high, and he had a girlfriend. So when you have a girlfriend in junior high, it means you see him at school, (laughs) right? You talk on the phone, and you get dropped off at the movies or whatever. And he had this girlfriend, and so Danny's out of town because weird things happen when... Your husband's out of town. All the things that shouldn't happen, happen when they're gone. The hot water heater breaks, the dishwasher blows up, and the phone rings. So back then we had a phone on the, on the counter and it had a caller ID, right? So the phone would ring and you could see who was calling. So Taylor runs over there. I'm sitting there. It's in the evening. He sees the the phone, whose number it is. He picks it up and he's like, hello? He's in the kitchen. And I hear him say, oh, yes. Yes, sir. No, my dad's not home. My mom's here. Yes, sir. Okay. And he brings the phone to me and he's like, I'm never calling her. I'll never talk to her again for the rest of my life. I hate her now, you know. He's like, I was like, what is happening? I just knew this was not going to be my favorite phone call. So I'm like, hello? He's like, he goes, hello, um, Mrs. Silk? I said, yes. And Taylor's writhing like a snake in the kitchen. He's just like, wah! It's like, wow, what is happening right now? He goes, well, I was really hoping to talk to Mr. Silk tonight. I said, me too. I was really hoping you would talk to Mr. Silk. Are you sure you can't? Let's just put a pin in it. Let's just wait. Nope. 
He says, well, are you aware that your son and my daughter are talking for 30 minutes on the phone? And I got a little snarky. I had my little mama bear thing going, and I said, well, I've never timed them. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. I'm telling you the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? He said, well, is that okay with you that they talk on the phone for 30 minutes? I said, well, you sound really upset. And um, so, you know, Taylor continues to just flip around the kitchen. And I said, well, he goes, well, I just didn't know if you were okay with that. Because I'm not okay with that they're talking on the phone for 30 minutes. I said, well, you know, has my son been disrespectful? Because I have a, an incredibly respectful young man. And if he's done something that's disrespectful to you or your family, then I would really love for him to clean up that mess. And he said, no, he hasn't done anything. I said, okay. I said, so how can I help you? What do you need? What do you need tonight? He goes, well, my oldest daughter got pregnant in the backseat of the car when she's a senior in high school. And I'm just so scared that we're going to go through this pain again with boyfriends. Oh. See, we don't ever know what's happening on the other side of a person. We don't know. We see this, this person in front of us that's mad or sad or having something, and they're, they're affecting us, but we get to look past what is happening and say, what do you need right now? I remember talking to this lady in, in England one time, and she's like, my son is so disrespectful, and he has a mohawk, and gauges in his ears and piercings and he's smoking pot and he's, you know, and I said, well, what's your connection like with your son? Tears. I said, you know, the pot, the mohawk, the tattoos, sneaking out of the house, those are really important things. But right now, your biggest problem is your connection with your son. I said, remember that little boy that you loved, the little boy that you protected, the little boy that you did anything for before he had tattoos or a mohawk or all the things that are sort of outward behaviors that are causing you pain? I said, those things don't matter. What matters is your heart connection. Can you go find that little boy? Can you go find that person that you love and cared for and protected and show him, how, show him your heart and how you, you're affected by his behavior. That's the biggest problem. See, we never know, you know, what's going on behind the face of another person. And we get the opportunity to wield this sword of love and cut through all of it and change their life forever. I don't care if it's... I've done this wrong a hundred times. Hundreds, hundreds of times. But tomorrow's a new day. It doesn't matter if it's the Starbucks lady. It doesn't matter if our son. It doesn't matter if it's the school teacher. It doesn't matter what the problem is. Look past the problem and work on that relationship. Aren't you all glad that Peter's in the Bible? I'm so glad Peter's in the Bible. I just feel better about me when I read about Peter. Peter's famous for lots of things. This list really is. God called him the fisher of men. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. He tells him, you're going to betray me. He's like, no, I'm not. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're going to be famous for it. You're going to be famous for betraying me. Everybody's going to talk about it for all the ages. He has guard duty and falls asleep. Okay. I mean, you had one job. He, he cuts some guy's ear off. But he has guard duty. And Christ is like, I'm going to go take a nap because I'm tired. And you got to guard me. And Peter falls asleep. I remember traveling with the Jesus Culture Band. And I would, I would have to take, um, I'm in charge of their events. So I'm taking, you know, 19 people with 75 bags of luggage. Right? Guitars. 
you know, pedal board, you got it, right? You're with me, Chuck. And uh, uh, all the strollers and car seats, we got babies, we got all this, and we have to go to Brazil. This is, this is my job. We're going to go to Brazil, we're going to change planes six times, we're going to go through customs, we're going to, all of it, I, this is my job. And, and the bass player comes into the air, airport and says, I forgot my bass. I'm like, you had one job. <laughs> one. You have one job. Have you seen my job, what I have to do? You got one job, right? This is Peter. You have guard duty. You have one job. And he blows it. He denies Christ three times, once to a little girl. Right? He's afraid of a little girl. That's in his legacy as well. Jesus is crucified, just goes in the tomb. He's just been through the worst thing ever in, in his life. He's in the tomb, goes to hell, gets the keys, comes back up, comes out of the grave. And he says, go tell the disciples that I'm alive and go find Peter. Now, we're, I'm teasing and talking about Peter, but where would Peter's life have been if Jesus didn't say, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Where all the, the stories we hear about, all the things that Peter does after, after Christ leaves and goes to heaven, all the, all the things that we read about, where would Peter have been if Jesus hadn't pointed his, his love at Peter and restored him? We talked about repentance, reconciliation, and restoration this weekend. Jesus' love brings us all the way to restoration. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your life. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you made. With Christ in your life, there's total restoration possible. Amen? I love this scripture in Acts, but Peter taking his stand with the, with the 11. I, just that piece right there. But Peter taking his stand with the 11, what would that have read if Christ hadn't restored him with this love? It wouldn't even be in there. He wouldn't have a place with the 11. He'd have no place at all if Christ hadn't went and looked for him. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, but it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of, of, through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God said, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind and all your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And we read about Peter and it often says, and then Peter stretched out his hands and signs and wonders follow. That's Peter's legacy now. I'll apologize for telling stories about him later when I get to heaven. We're not supposed to talk to dead people is what I heard. You had to be here this weekend. <laughs> Look, we have this incredible opportunity to love people with the love of God that is so powerful. I know this is a simple message and we've been goofing around and telling stories, but it is a powerful tool that we get to use starting probably tonight that someone will come. Yeah, you can, thank you. I'm wrapping up, actually, you could, would you come and whoever, the worship team can come. I thought, this guy's prophetic, he knows that that's my last slide. He's just afraid I'm gonna trip. 
Why don't you stand up? I mean, as I, as I tell these stories, I know that there's people out there that, that they wish they'd have gotten that treatment. See, there's people out here that all of us have these situations that maybe someone handled wrong, and they hurt us, and it took us a long time to recover. I have my stories, too. I have that, that event, that experience that happened to me. But I want us to, to consider forgiving that person tonight. Because that's how you change the end of your story, is with forgiveness. That's, you know, my granddaughter watched The Lion King and she didn't like the part where Mufasa died. And I'm sorry if you haven't seen The Lion King, but it's been out for a really long time. <laughs> Spoiler. And we watched The Lion King, and she said, I didn't like that part, Mimi, that part where Mufasa died. And I said, well, well what, why didn't you like it? She goes, I didn't like that everyone was sad for a long time. She goes, if I was there, I would have stood in the gap, and I would have said to the wildebeest, stop, in the name of Jesus. She's going to change the end of the movie. That's what we get to do. We get to change the end of the movie. We get to change the end of our story. But it starts with forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration that comes with Christ. He, he made that happen for us. We need it, and we need to give it away. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes tonight. And I'm going to ask you to, to maybe think of that time in your life that you got hurt. That someone, someone should have inserted love and they didn't do it. And you had pain. And it, it's affected you for a really, really long time. Maybe you were the one that hurt someone else. We all make mistakes. But I want to ask you tonight to forgive yourself. I'm, gonna, I'm praying right now, Jesus, that you would show us the situations in our lives that we've been carrying this hurt because someone didn't insert love. And we just want to release that person right now in Jesus' name. I just release them. Say that. I just release them from the pain they caused me. And I pray right now for that person. Just pray for their life. Pray, God, you redeem the end of their story. Redeem the end of their story, God. And for us that have been hurt by someone else, or that we've hurt someone, we didn't choose love. I pray for opportunities to clean up that mess. I pray that the phone will ring tomorrow and it's this person that said, hey, we haven't talked in a long time and you know that you hurt them. I pray you have opportunity right then to go, you know what, before we catch up, let me just say, remember that time I hurt you? I'm really sorry about that. And I want restoration for our relationship and I want the end of my story to change. I'm not saying that people don't have consequences for behavior because that's not, that's not what I'm saying. That's not true. But I carry my heart toward other people. And I am praying right now for people to take responsibility in times that they've been victimized and change the end of their story. We get victimized, but we don't have to be victims we don't have to live like a victim. And if you've been living like a victim, responsible for nothing, blaming other people for your life, I would ask you to, I just break that off of you right now. I just, I just ask you to just recognize it, see it, and call it out. Like, I refuse to be a victim because I was victimized. I refuse to live my life as a victim because somebody else hurt me. Some situation I wasn't, I wasn't in control of, and I refuse to be a victim. 
I refuse to roll out for the rest of my life what was handed to me. I get to change my story. If you want prayer tonight for those situations, if you want someone to partner with you in prayer, I just ask that you would come forward tonight. You can just come up and Alan, you can come help me with, with this. There's situations that you were hurt, situations that you hurt others and you want prayer tonight. Just come forward.